It was summer of 1985, and uh, living in St. Louis at the time, I remember that the heat was on. Uh, because that was a song that they kept playing over and over again, because it was like the theme song for the St. Louis Cardinals uh, that year. And, 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 and so whenever I hear that song, it just makes my blood boil. But there's something else that happened in the summer of 1985. In the summer of 1985, a huge uh, blockbuster hit came out on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, it, it starred uh, Christopher Lloyd, or as my dad liked to call him, Jim from Taxi. And uh, it starred Leah Thompson and also an up-and-coming TV actor who would play the Republican son of two hippie parents on the TV show Family Ties. Uh, you might know him as Michael J. Fox. And, and in the 80s, it's like every movie that came out had to have a theme song, a song that would be, played, be a hit song on the radio, it was a song that would be connected to that movie forever. And so the production team for the movie, they went and, and they found this up-and-coming band that was starting to, to get some uh, uh, mainstream popularity, and they asked them to write a song for the film. And they said, hey, we don't have any songs that really fit this theme. But they said, we want you to write a song anyway, and we'll, we'll, we'll make it work with uh, the movie. And so, uh, but that year, though, both song and movie went to number one. That movie? Back to the Future, and the song was Huey Lewis is in the News, The Power of Love. And the song starts off like this, the power of love is a curious thing. It makes one man weep, makes another man sing, changes a hawk to a little white dove. It's more than a feeling. That's the power of love. And we've seen, all seen this play out in our life, right? I mean, I mean we, we've seen how, how, how love can change things. We can see how, how, how love can, you know, acts of love towards someone can change either the way you feel about them or the way they feel about you. We've also seen uh, this play out in, in every elementary school lunchroom, in every bus, right? I mean, never has there been a more segregated place in life than the lunchroom, right? All the girls sit on this side and all the boys sit on this side because no one, no one right? And so we are going to, to, we are going to stay away. And so it's like, it's like that person who sits in the middle, it's like, man, have you got your shot and your booster from the, from the cooties, right? Because we don't want the cooties. And so they, you know, and, and there might be like a gap, you know, a wide gap between those people. They're like, I oh, the girls. But then something happens, right? Like middle school happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe they're not so bad. Maybe I, I, I might kind of like one. And you know, there might be a, a note passed. Maybe, maybe even for the daring ones, maybe there might be some hand-holding on the bus going home. If it's, it's like, I, yeah, that, that was not me. I was the, the scared individual who had to be told that his girlfriend wanted to hold his hand in high school. So that, that, that's just, let's know what, what field I was playing on. And so I, I was a little slow on that uptake. But... We've, seen, we've all seen this happen, right? That how, how love can change things. Not just in romantic love, but even in, in non-romantic situations, right? We've seen how uh, acts of love shown to others can strengthen connections between two people. Because relationships are a lot like bank accounts, right? You, know, we, we, you make deposits and you make withdrawals based upon different things. When someone gives you a compliment, you give a compliment. Maybe you, you, you do something nice. Maybe there's a shared experience. Uh, th th there's certain things in life when you help someone out, when you serve them, all of a sudden your esteem for that person, their esteem for you builds up because like, oh, we have this positive interaction. Someone does something nice for us, right? Man, that person's awesome. And also when we, when we show love to someone else, 
we, 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 hey, we, I care for that person, and I see that they're down. I'm going to serve them. We're making deposits into their account. They're, they probably think better of us as well. But all relationships, all relationships go through rough patches, right? I mean, there's maybe a time when you've had to share a hard truth with a friend. Maybe that friend has had to share a hard truth with you. And it hurts, and, 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 and it stings, and, and, and things might take a little bit of a dip, but you, 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 you know, that was, was worth it because they need to know. They need to know this action hurt me, that this, this action doesn't look real good, that, that, that these things, maybe it doesn't help bring out the life of Christ in us. And so we share a hard truth, and though we know it's for the best, it still doesn't feel good, and maybe we lose a point or two, or they lose a point or two in our book. So the quality characteristic we want to look at today is that of loving relationships. And we know how to love because Christ first loved us. Because he loved us, we know how to love others. We have this, this drive, this, this desire. He gave us this command, love one another as I have loved you. The whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, so an uncaring and unloving Christian, that's like an oxymoron, right? That should not exist. That should not be. See, if you're a truly caring person, we care for the whole person all the time. Not just to win brownie points, not just to keep a close friend. Ultimately, we want to love others for the good of the gospel. We want to love others to help them develop a grown-up faith. The kind of faith that produces fruit that helps advance the mission of God. And so as we make our way through the book of Acts, if you would turn with me today to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 32 to 37. And this is another one of Paul, uh, another one of Luke's um, summary paragraphs. Remember, every so often in his book, he kind of gives us a chance to <clears throat> take a breath. And he kind of gives it, he, he, he goes up about 35,000 feet and gives us an overview of the land, gives us an overview of the landscape. And he lets us know, he's like, hey, this is how life in the early church is going. Here's how the, the relationships are developing. Here's how the community life of the church is, is going. It's not just about what was foundational to their faith, but this is how it played out in their everyday life. See, if our faith produces only head knowledge, then we failed. If all we do as a church is to make you smart about the Bible, to make you smart about uh, uh, spiritual things, then we failed. Because there, is no, uh, there, there are no examinations, there are no tests to take to enter into heaven. And the, only, uh, uh, the only question, the only test that there will be is, what did you do with my son Jesus? And is his life evident in yours? What have you done with Jesus? Have we accepted him as our savior? Have we, have we made him Lord of our life? And has his life been proven in ours? Has, it, <clears throat> has the life of Jesus been reborn in us? And this is what today's text shows us. As we begin to see this new life of Jesus being born in the people of the early church. And this is what Luke writes. He says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all and powerfully, powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses uh, would sell them and brought the money from the sales and put the money at the apostles' 
feet and is distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. We, we have this, like I said, we have this little bitty snapshot of, of just what life was like in the early church. And, and the first thing that we begin to see is that love creates unity. Love creates unity in the body. And so they had uh, this time where, where they, they, they would, um, just caring for one another, they, they, they were so powerful that there were no needy persons among them. That as, as needs would come up, they would meet them. And so all the believers, it says, were, were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared willingly. They shared willingly. Some people would say, oh, look, this is uh, biblical evidence for communism. And that's not the case. Because here it says everything, if someone owned something, it was theirs to own. But yet it was mine and you needed it and I wasn't using it here. It's yours to use. Here, here, you, you can borrow this. If I had something I wasn't using it and you needed it, here, maybe it was like, here, you can even have this. You can have, you're, you're going to have, create more value with it than I have. You may have this. They may have shared uh, ownership. They may have uh, transferred ownership. They may have uh, let others have what once was theirs, or they let others borrow it, and they would return it. In the early church, uh, they cared for others Deeply. You know the line? What's better than owning a truck? Knowing someone who does, right? And, and, that, and, and that's how life was in the early church. Hey, well, what, what's better than owning a hammer? Knowing someone who had a hammer. And then people would just share willingly what they had. And so that long before there were trucks, they were sharing as if that line was true. If I had something you needed and you didn't have it, it was free. For you to use. So all the believers were one in heart and mind. And that's, that's a pretty powerful statement, right? Have you, th- have you thought about uh, maybe a, a friendship you have or, or, or a relationship you have where, where you're, it's almost as if you guys can, can think the same thoughts? We have a kind of a rule in our house that mommy and daddy are on the same team. Mom and dad are on the same team. And so from time to time, the kids try to test this. And so they will uh, ask each of us a question. And it's uncanny the number of times that Skay and I have come back with the exact same answer. Hey, can I do this? Well, maybe dad will give a different answer. And it's the same thing. It's like, and maybe that's just like, it's true after like 20 years of marriage, you can truly finish each other's sentences. And so, but they'll try it. And it's like, holy cow, we said the exact same thing without even talking about it, without even discussing it. And the early church had that same sort of thing where they were one in heart and mind. They could finish each other's sentences. They knew, hey, if there was a need, I'm going to give to that. I'm going to, because I don't want them hurting because if they're hurting, then I'm hurting as well. It's said that one trained ox can pull 5,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. An untrained ox can pull 2,000. It needs to kind of grow up. It needs to learn how to use its energy, use its power, use its strength in an effective way. If you uh, yoke up a, a trained and an untrained ox, both of them together can pull about 10,000 pounds. But as the untrained ox becomes trained, the two trained oxen together can pull 15,000 pounds. Three times 
the amount of the one trained ox. See, if we work together in unity, yeah, I might be able to accomplish one thing a day. But two of us, we might be able to accomplish three. And three of us might be able to accomplish five. And four, maybe even as much as eight. Because the shared uh, uh, unity together, of, of, of the, the power and the congeniality, the, 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 the um, compounding effort of our work can get more done. We can accomplish more by working together. It's like the difference between a little pebble and a big stone. See, when we lived in Illinois, uh, in our neighborhood, uh, we had a lake. And uh, Saray and, and Jaden loved walking to the lake because they knew when we got to the lake, along the shore there, there were rocks. And they loved to throw rocks into the lake, which was all well and good unless people were there fishing because fishermen do not like children throwing rocks into lakes because it scares the fish away. But they would <clears throat> try to find the biggest rocks because if you throw a pebble in, it's just little ripples for a little bit of time, right? But if you throw a big rock in, you get a big splash and you get lots of waves. So think of yourself as a pebble. If you go and do something good, it's going to have a little bit of effect. But what if we all group together? What if our, we, put, we get enough pebbles together and mesh together that we are unified into one large rock? Can you imagine the impact we could have on the waters of this world? The ripples we could create? as we let God throw us out there to do some good. If we work together in unity, can you imagine the needs we could meet? To the church, the believers were all in one heart and mind, and no one claimed anything that they had was their own. And we see that unity creates greater influence. Unity creates greater influence. And goes on and says that with great power, the apostles continue to testify. You know, it's like, that's not just one pebble. That's all those pebbles brought together into a rock. They, 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 it had great power to testify against about the resurrection of Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy persons among them. That as they shared the gospel, as, as lives were changed by the gospel, so were the needs met in the community. Because as people's lives were being changed by the good news of Jesus, they couldn't help but serve those around them. And so as needs popped up, they're like, oh, I can meet that need. And this need popped over here and some said, I can, I can solve that. And they solved it not because they were selfish. They, 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 they had put themselves aside and said, you know, I'm going to allow the life of Jesus to live in me. I'm going to be changed by this message. He died on a cross. He just rose again. This is life-changing stuff. And so they put aside their selfishness. They put aside their own concerns and saw the needs of others in the community. They shared their life so richly and so powerfully. Their lives were so changed by the gospel that there was no one in need among them. And their unity didn't just exist in the meaning of needs, but also in the sharing of the gospel. They didn't just do good deeds. They didn't just do good things to do good things. They did good deeds so they could share good news. They did good deeds so they could share good news. See, loving relationships that do not communicate the gospel are not truly loving. Loving relationships that do not share the gospel are not truly 
loving. Because if we truly love the other person, we would make sure that they know that Jesus died for them. We would make sure that they would know that he rose again for them, that there's hope for them beyond this life. <clears throat> and the, the early believers, they were so changed by this truth. So changed by this truth that they met all the needs of all the people who were around them as best they could. So unity was so strong that there were no needy persons among them. If there's a need in the community, they'd find a way to meet it. If someone had a need, others could either borrow or they would sell things. If the need was so great that they needed greater financial resources, people made sacrifices to raise the funds to meet the need. Here's one thing we know to be true about all relationships, that love always requires sacrifice. Love always requires sacrifice. Yeah, if, if love doesn't require sacrifice, it's probably not real love. So if you want to be in a relationship with someone, you have to sacrifice time. To say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. And so you have to maybe sacrifice time to build a relationship with someone. No relationships are, can be built and maintained without spending time with one another, which is why we always say that in-person is better. He, here in person is always better, but we are thankful that we have a, a, a way to, to meet virtually, to meet by, by over streaming, to be able to, to video and, and stream our services for those who are ill or out of town or, or unable to be here. But in person, it's always better when we get to see one another, when we get to hug each other's neck, when we get to shake a hand, when we get to have a conversation face-to-face in person. It's always better. But COVID has shown us that the church can continue even while apart. But even while apart, our strength is in our unity. Our strength is in our togetherness. And unity is best built together because love always requires a sacrifice. Not only that, but love requires us to sacrifice resources. Love requires us to sacrifice resources. Yeah, on a cold night, husband and wife are out walking, either walking by a, 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 a lake or a stream, and, and, and the wife gets cold. What does the husband instinctually, instinctively do? Takes his coat off and, and gives it to his wife. Not because he's not cold, but because He's willing to sacrifice what he has to help his bride be warm. Love always requires a sacrifice of resources that we give of what we have. Maybe it's time. Maybe time is, the, time is our most precious resource. So maybe the resource we give is out of time. I'll show up. I'll be present for whatever is needed. Maybe we have uh, extra <clears throat> financial resources. And so we hear of a need arise. We hear a need arise at Mid-Atlantic Christian University. You're like, hey, you want this, this quarter? I'm going to give a little bit more so that more is available for us to give to the school to help them uh, train Christian leaders for, to take the gospel, both in our country and around the world, that we can help uh, build Christian leaders to raise up the church. Maybe we, it's a sacrifice of talent. Maybe like, hey, I can, I can do some things. I, I've got some, some knowledge. I've got some skill. And, and maybe <clears throat> the skills I have can be used to, to further the church. Maybe the skills I have used to, to train others up. Maybe the skills I have might be one of those things that help bridge a gap 
to help someone who's far from God come to faith in him. Love always requires a sacrifice, and it may require a sacrifice of the resources we have. But love ultimately requires a sacrifice of self. Not that we lose who we are. We all maintain our individual identities, but we give freely of ourselves so that we can benefit others. See, the early church freely sacrificed their resources, frequently uh, sacrificed themselves to love those around them, to to gain influence, to share the gospel. Because good deeds prepare the way for good news. Good deeds prepare the way for good news. As we build loving relationships with those who are around us, it gives us the opportunity. It helps us to make deposits into their life. That all of a sudden, we can, can use that relationship and we can share with them about the good news of who Jesus is. See, when the early church made a sacrifice, they were not afraid to take a deep cut. So many of them had seen the, the, the risen Jesus. Many of them had seen, uh, had walked with him. Many of them had, had heard from him. Many more have been inspired and changed by the influence and the testimony of the apostles. And they were willing to go all in on Jesus' command to love one another. <clears throat> Even to the point of selling houses and land. Maybe it was you know, their main house. Maybe it was a house they had uh, inherited from a loved one. Maybe it was land that had been passed down from generations. And they were willing to sell things that they had to meet the needs of those who were around them. So, hey, that's a great need. And I have this piece of land. I've got this thing that I'm not using. Maybe the proceeds from that would fit better and help better over here. And so Luke gives us two examples, uh, one, one positive and, and one negative. I read the positive one for you earlier. There's a man named Joseph at the uh, early church. They called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And if you've read the book of Acts, if you've been around the church for any period of time, you probably have heard the name Barnabas. Barnabas is a traveling companion for the apostle Paul. We'll hear more about him later in, in the coming weeks. And Barnabas, he hears of these needs that the church, that the believers are having. Because oftentimes when people came to faith at this time, we don't hear this from scripture, but we know this just from other historical background stuff, is that as they left Judaism and became Christians, many of their family and business and relational ties were cut. And so as the, uh, typically, in, you know, families would, would help out families and they would, they would, you know, here's a loved one, here's a family member of mine, they're down, they're luck, I'm going to help them out. Well, as they left Judaism and became Christians, over time, that difference strained that relationship. And they weren't quite so freely in giving their money to help their loved one because they, for some, felt that they'd left the faith. They'd gone in another direction. And so all of a sudden you had great needs pop up because of, uh, of this difference. And so the believers in the early church, this small community of like-minded, unified people, 
had great needs pop up. And Barnabas is like, I've got, I've got this field. Don't really need it. I'm not really using it. It was, it was his. He could do whatever he wanted. He could have farmed it. He could have farmed it and sold the, 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 the crops and used that money. <clears throat> he could have built a house on it and, and sold it. He could, have, he could have used that land for anything. It was his land. <clears throat> he chose to sell it. He took the money and he brought it to the disciples. He laid it at their feet and said, use this to meet the needs of believers. And everyone thought highly of, of Barnabas. There was a husband and wife. They saw this and they thought, well, <clears throat> maybe we should do the same thing. It was their land. They could do whatever they want with it. They could farm it. They could build it. They could use it. They could use it. They could, they could have done anything they wanted. They said, hey, you want, maybe we can sell it too. And when they sold the land, the money was theirs. They could do with it whatever they wanted. They could spend it. They could buy something new. They could be, you know, spend it nicely on themselves. They could save it. They could invest it. They could give it. They could do whatever they wanted with it. They chose to keep some back. But they told everyone what they gave to the church was all that was given for the land. That's, you know, that's, that's what we got. And they received a judgment. A judgment that seems like a pretty harsh judgment, maybe in some of our minds. But they chose to lie to God and to God's people. They presented themselves one way, not the other. Lying is always an unloving thing. Being dishonest with those around us is, 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 the, is a way just to dishonor and is a, a, a truly unloving act. So we have these two pictures. Two pictures of, 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 of a loving act of, of taking what he, one had and, and giving it sacrificially to those in need. And then another, presenting themselves one way. Presenting themselves as unloving, but truly being unloving in their heart. So how do we live out the, the scripture going forward? So when I look at this, uh, when I look at the examples uh, that, that, are, that are built into this text today, the, the church built a culture of loving relationships. And, 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 and this uh, sees itself uh, lived out in, in two ways. One is that they served. You almost see, is that said specifically, but you see the people of, of God serving those around them. That some, it wasn't just uh, giving money, but they may have given time. They may have given resources. They, may, they were there present with those around them. And so maybe today, the step you need to take is to serve someone around you. Maybe it's someone in the body. I know, I know there, there, there are many who will pick up people and help take them to, to doctor's appointments. Provide uh, rides to, to those who, who need rides to come to church, who, who will take meals to those who are, who, who are sick and are recovering from, from surgeries, that we serve those who are around us. As I think through, as I look and see many children uh, in our service today, we still have areas we need service in our children's ministry. That right now, we're still only able to offer children's services a couple weeks a month. Do we have those who could say, hey, you want, I can serve. I can, I can use the abilities. I can use the gifts that God's given me to show and share God's love to those, to those little ones around us. One thing we see is that 
in this text is that people were willing to give significantly of their time and resources to meet the needs of those around them. See, the church is at its best when it's meeting the needs of those in its community. Not just those in our own faith community, but also our community at large. So the resources is our time that we can give to either the organizations or just those in our circle of influence that we can serve those around us so we can share with them the good news. Another next step we can take to be like the early church <clears throat> is to give. Is to give. Mark gave us an update earlier. We, we ought to, to, to give financially to the church. Scripture teaches that, that we should trust God with, with one-tenth of our income, with the first fruits of our income. Is one way that says that if we trust God with 90% of what we make, God will prove himself to be true in the in the, with that other 10. That God will, will, will bless us. That God will, will, will bless our lives if we are faithful and obedient to him. And as we give financially to the church, it helps us corporately to begin to meet the needs of those in not only our faith community, but also the community at large. That we can serve those around us. That we can be a, a light to, sh- to, to share the mission of God and advance the gospel. One way, maybe on a more uh, individual level, and one ministry that we've uh, met from with time to time is our friend uh, Tony Wolf would come in and he'd give us a, a night of comedy and, 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 and offer children from Compassion International. Uh, these days, he's working with a group called Child Fund International. I don't know if you saw on the table on the way in, but we have uh, 10 kids today that could be sponsored. I know that uh, as, as our kids have grown up, we've uh, sponsored one for each of them. He said, hey, we're going to sponsor a child somewhere around the world. So we have, we have one in the Philippines, one in Indonesia, and one somewhere in South America. And... Uh, this little guy, Kip, he just turned three years old, and you can't see it, but he's got this cute little face. And there's, there's a number of them on the table with many of them. This was the easiest name to pronounce, and so that's why I went with Kip. Uh, but it, it, it's been fun with, with, as the kids grow up, and the kids write letters to you. You can hear about their life and about, about what's going on with them, and you can encourage them and, and share with them uh, uh, even just little stories, little influences of God in their life. And organizations like Compassion and Child Fund International, they help make sure that they have enough food, they have medical treatment, they have, uh, get to hear the gospel and, and hear a bit about Jesus. And so if you uh, want to sponsor one of the children there, there's uh, uh, some information inside that you need to fill out about, about the payments portion. And you can take the picture home and put them on your fridge and, uh, and be praying for them and, and, and uh, um, uh, helping them uh, learn about Jesus. And so I'll be out there to, uh, afterwards today if that's, uh, when you need help with that. We can serve. We can give. And as the early church served, and as they gave, they gave to gain influence for the gospel. And so maybe today, the step you need to take is to accept the offer of grace from Jesus. To give, to, 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 to accept his love in your life, to accept his grace on your life. And to be identified with him through baptism.
And so we'd love to talk with you today about that next step. And if there's, we'd love to hear what step you are wanting to make today. You can fill out the same connection card there at cchmd.com slash connect. There's a section that says next steps, and you can click whichever box best uh, identifies with the step you need to make today, that you want to make today. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to uh, encourage you. We want to be able to resource you as you make those steps. Maybe you're like, hey, I, I, I want to talk to someone today. You can talk to me. You can talk to Mark, Jim, anyone else you saw on stage today. We'd love to encourage you and help you take that next step in your faith with Jesus, in your journey with Jesus. See, we likely won't change this world with just our message until we first change the world with our love. So may we go today, may we go this week and make Jesus famous wherever we go. Before we go today, we want to sing one more song. We want to sing a song, and the band's going to come and up here and join. We want to sing a song that reminds us of that sacrifice that Jesus made. That he, we love because he first loved us. And so as they come, I'm going to pray. And just that God would help use this time today to encourage us, to empower us as we go to love him more. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for today, this time that you've given us to gather together as your people in your house. Father, would you help us to love others well? Father, not just those who are easy to love, but Father, even those who might be difficult. Father, even those we might find in difficult situations, hard situations, situations where we might feel uncomfortable. Father, would you help us to be willing to sacrifice for your good and the good of the gospel, that you would be lifted up, that you would be made great, that, Father, you would change our lives as you help us to transform our community around us. Father, we thank you for the goodness of the gospel and its power in our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.